Um, this morning, we are going to continue in our Psalm Songs series. Try to say that three times fast. It is not easy. Um, and if you're, if you're not familiar with what Psalm Songs is all about, basically what we do is we take a song that you might hear in a movie or on a TV show or just driving down the road on the radio, and we try to connect it to a scripture, but specifically something in the book of Psalms. So that way, next time you're cruising down the road and you hear that song come on the radio, you remember exactly what was preached in that day, and your heart can get a little more encouragement. Your spirit can get a little more strengthening from God's word. And so we're going to hop into it. Here we go again. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this. I don't know where I'm going, but I should sure know where I've been. Hanging on the promises and the songs of yesterday And I've made up my mind I ain't wasting no more time Here I go again Here I go again Though I keep searching for an answer I never seem to find what I'm looking for Lord, I pray you give me strength to carry on Cause I know what it means To walk the long, the lonely street of dreams Here I go again I was born to 
Amen. Amen. I'm just, I, you know, I just love this sermon series. We kind of do it every summer. And, and it's just, you know, sometimes you just want to have fun. And I don't think that there's anything, anything wrong with having fun. Um, and the purpose of this um, sermon series is that the next time that you hear that song on the radio, if you happen to be listening to it in your car, you're going to say, you know, I remember the psalm that was preached about that day, and you'll connect that together. It's amazing how many people over the last 10 years, 9 years that we've done this have come up to me and say, man, I heard this psalm, and I remembered that you preached on this, or that pastor preached on this, or that, and, you know, and people remember these things, and that's important. So that's what we're doing right now. This song is about a do-over. This song is about, man, here it comes around again. David wrote this psalm. We're going to look at Psalm 103, the whole psalm. We're going to look at it all and a couple of other things besides. But this is one of those psalms that wasn't written because David was like feeling terrible and he was hiding in the cave cutting off Saul's garment or he wasn't feeling like his son was trying to take over the kingdom. And he, that's, that's not why David wrote this. David wrote this because he was sitting back and he was reflecting on his own relationship to God. He was taking the time to just say, wow, you know, I am, I, I'm just, I am rich in God. Pastor Janice and I were on vacation. We were out um, at Hilton Head. I got to do a, my first ever wedding on the beach barefoot. It was so much fun, um, and it was cool, and now we're home. But while I was out there, I saw a child run by, and I was in a conversation with somebody. And as that child ran by, and I, I, I just saw the relationship there, and I remembered my own six, uh, six grandkids, suddenly I realized this is what it means to be rich. Now, you know, we say that, and it's all pithy, you know, like, We've got a roof over our head. We have food on the table. We have health. We have this. Okay, but it really is true. I, I saw this little child run by, and it's like, that dude is a rich man. Look at that little child. That little child loves him. I love it when my local grandchildren um, come over to the house, and they want to play trouble. You know what trouble is? You know, and you know, then you hop around, and then you, I, I'm trying to teach them that you bump them. And they're like, I killed you, Grandpa. And it's like, whoa, whoa, there's no killing in Grandpa's house. No. I say, you bumped me back to the start. And so they like to jump up and go, I bumped you, I bumped you, I bumped you. And it's like, they get that from their mother, okay? And it's like, I don't know how we raised a child that would do that. But her children do it now. And so it, it, it's like, I am rich. This morning, I got a, they're big enough, I got a text from one of them while I was in my office. And it's like a text. I found out yesterday they have a phone amongst the three of them that they can use. And my daughter said, um, just warning you, they're going to wear you out. And it's like, I am a rich, rich man. There's times when we need to stop and we need to reflect on the life that God has given us and where we are. And we need to realize that God really is doing things in our lives. And yes, there's things that we want or need. And there are also things that we need to repent of and come away from. But the truth of the matter is we serve a God that is absolutely amazing. So as I was reading about this psalm, um, the scripture said, I mean, the, excuse me, the commentary said that this psalm is a psalm of recognizing an ongoing relationship with God. Do you have an ongoing relationship with God? 
Not just like a passing hit or miss relationship with God. I mean, do you have a relationship with God where you're walking along and you're talking in Walmart and somebody's wondering if they should call somebody, you know, because you're having a conversation and it was okay until you started answering yourself. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, oh, wow, that kind of a relationship. Well, you know, this commentary says David has that kind of a relationship with God. Two things. His, this psalm is affirming his loyalty and love for God. Can't we do that? Can't we come in here and lift up our hearts in praise and sing? And, and, and I love it when we can get lost in worship and it just excites us and, and we're there. But David also at the same time is confessing his failure in being faithful to God. He's just reflecting his life. He's just saying, God, my feet are pointed toward the cross, and I am, I, I, I'm just trying to follow after you, but every once in a while... Ah, my flesh comes out. It does. I have gotten, for the most part, not, not off, off, but it's like I, I, I'm, not, I'm not fighting with people on social media anymore. I, I, it's not going to happen. You know, I, my, my wife has been telling me to do this for years, and I finally decided I'm not going to save the world on social media. It's, it, 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 no. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's just not there. So I, I've just been a lot more careful about what I'm doing and what's going on because I believe in my heart, it's like I've been sinning on social media by trying to straighten some theological people out. I, I, I really believe. I'm not helping them. All they're doing is getting mad. And all I'm doing is like, man, this is bad. And, and guess what? People just don't want to be beat up with, this is bad. They, there's a place there where we need to say, hey, Let's get into a relationship, let's sit down, let's have a talk, and let's communicate. And so for me, part of my looking at myself, and I would encourage you at any given moment to stop and say, what is my relationship with God? And that's what David is doing. So I'm going to read the whole of Psalm 103 for you, okay? It's going to show up up there. It'll always show up up there. But I would always encourage you um, to have your Bible. It's a great thing. I love turning pages. Um, I always thought, all right, you know, that I would get into the digital age and it would be really cool. But you know, I preached from an iPad for a couple of years, and I just the iPads in my office. Okay, I like this thing. All right, so let's just read Psalm 103 together and find yourself in it somewhere. Find yourself in the scripture because the scripture is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It gets inside of you. The scripture will go on to say, Psalm 103 says. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Now we should just jump up and scream amen and go home after that. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That's another word for sin, okay? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Look at this. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, another word for sin, from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. For as a man's, de- so, 
for, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And so this is, this is the scripture that we're going to begin with today, okay? All right? So as we're sitting here at church, somebody rededicated their life about a month ago online. Um, and those of you that are joining us online, welcome. Um, a lot of people are still um, staying out, and we're totally good with that. Thank you guys for putting on your masks to come in and then relaxing as you get here. Thank you for being a part of that. Um, but as we move forward, I was thinking back as I was writing this sermon up. There was a lady that came on, and, and, and she just was at this place where she wanted to rededicate her life. And she just was feeling like there is no way that God could forgive her again. You ever been there? You ever been at that place where, oh man, I fell again, I did it again, my mouth got ahead of me again, I gossiped again, I sinned again, God, when am I going to get this? When is it finally going to sink in? When am I going to be okay? God, I cheated, I lied, I stole, whatever it is, again. And you think, oh man, well this young lady had come and she was beginning to say, hey, can God forgive me again? Will God forgive me and welcome me back into the family? And, and it just so happened that she was doing the online chat. By the way, um, for those of you that are out there, you can go to vineyardrichmond.com and click the chat button. And there are people that would like to pray for you. For us here, we have the opportunity to be prayed for after the service. And, and this lady um, took advantage of that. And it was amazing to see the interchange between her and the person that was our chat person that day. Absolutely amazing. I also, um, when we planted this church um, 11 years ago almost now, um, there was a young man that had, had come in here with his family, and he sat in the front row, and uh, he's a big burly sort of a guy, a neat young man, and um, I remember I was up here preaching, and back in that day I always had them dumb wild shirts from Buckle, and, and I loved them, but you know, even like 95 degrees out, and I'm in a long sleeve shirt because it just looked better, um, and so I was up here, well one day I rolled it up and it got past this, okay? And that young man was sitting there, and he, and he kept going like this while I was moving around because I was a little more mobile back then. And, 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 and he, just, he just kept like following me and watching me and watching me. And uh, he, he, was, he did have a tattoo from there to about there. And uh, as, as he was watching me, the service came to a close, and I, I gave an opportunity for people that just wanted to, to be forgiven by God and, and, and to be back. And this guy came forward, and he was bawling and crying, and he, and he just told me the story. And he said, I used to go to a church, he said, and I had a tattoo. And he said, the pastor came right up to me, and he said, listen, you can never go to heaven ever now. Yeah. He told him, he said, you can't get in if you wanted to because of that tattoo. And it's like, wow, there's 613 commandments in the Old Testament, and this guy was going to hold him to one of them, just simply one of them. Let me just share it with you in Leviticus 19.28, okay? Because it says uh, in 19.28, 
do not, uh, do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves, for I am the Lord. And based upon that specific passage, this pastor told him he was lost forever. Now here's the problem. Jesus said there's only one unforgivable sin, and that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and that's it. And I want to talk to you about the forgiveness and the love of God today. But I just want you to know that that, that blasphemy, that unforgivable sin, is in Mark, it's in Matthew, and it's in Luke. And I'm willing to tell you what the address of it is. Just know that it's there. It's funny to me that people are willing to stop and say, Mmm, sinner, you got a tattoo. But the verse right after it says that you're not allowed to cut this hair right here on the sides of your head. Have you ever seen a Hasidic Jew? Do you know what that is? A Jewish man who's really Jewish, okay? We'll just say it that way. And he's got these curls that go down like this. And when they're on an airplane, they just wrap them up around their ears like that. I'm not kidding you. Okay? I've sat with him on airplanes, and it's like, what happened to his ear? Um, and it's like, no, it's just his lock. And then when he got out of the airplane, he stuck his fingers in there, pulled it out, and it's like, bing! And it was, you know, it's, it's down to about there. Okay, the law says, the same law says that you can't tattoo yourself, says that you have to let that grow. You have to. And James, the brother of Jesus, says, if you're going to hold people to one part of 613 commandments, then you're, you have to do all of them. No pork barbecue for you. You can't have pork barbecue if you're going to go by the law. You can't. See? And so this young man came forward, and he realized that he gets a do-over. He realized that he gets to come forward. Now, listen, I'm not saying you all have to go get tattooed if you want to be Christian. Um, don't hear me say that, Okay? Just understand that you cannot do what this, this pastor straight up lied to this young man. Straight up lied to him. There's only one unforgivable sin. And, and this is the way I tell people. If you're sitting in my office and you're like, I think I might have committed it, you haven't. Because if you had, you wouldn't care. That's the whole point of that particular sin is you wouldn't care. And so the theme here is, here we go again. God, do you still have forgive me, forgiveness for me? Is there still a chance for me? Will you care? And, and to go there, I want to take you, if I can, to John chapter 8. I love this story. Okay, You're going to find it in, in your Bible, but it's going to, be, um, it's going to, uh, it's going to have a little uh, uh, pre-thing there that says, hey, this passage is not found in some of the earliest manuscripts. Now, I, I preach out of a, an NIV. And there's people that have kind of gotten my face and said, whoa, they took words out of this and that. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. Different versions of the Bible came from different manuscripts that were found. Believe it or not, my understanding right now is the NIV was put together by more theologians than any other of the, of the versions of the Bible that are out there, and it was put together from earlier, closer to Jesus manuscripts that were found long after like the King James and some of those were done. So they're closer to the event of Jesus, and you always understand that if you want to know the truth, you get as close to the event as you possibly can. And so that's where the NIV came from. It was not done willy-nilly. And so anyway, I just wanted you to know why I use this, but this story is in here. I'm going to read it to you. It is just like my Jesus, and so here it comes. It's John chapter 8. It wraps up in chapter 7. Jesus is uh, challenged by his brothers whether or not he's going to go to the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. It's a big you know, compulsory go-to-the-feast-feast. And he says, no, my time is not yet. And then our story opens up in John chapter 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. 
At dawn, he appeared again in the courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law the, um, and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, uh, Moses commands us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? Now look what it says in verse 6. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any of you is without a sin, let him be, uh, let him be let him be the first, excuse me, to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. Listen, words are not put in your Bible casually. They're not. Why on earth did John put that the older people left the circumstance first? Why? Why is that important to what's going on? Why did the older people understand this and leave. Well, let me just carry on and we'll get around to it, okay? Um, it says, uh, the older ones first, until Jesus, only Jesus was left with the woman standing right there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has nobody condemned you? No one, sir. And she said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go leave your life of sin. So we're, we're looking at this story, and I want you to find a place to put yourself into this story. I'm an artist, and so I always have to close my eyes and put myself in there. Today, I, I don't want you to find yourself anywhere except in the place of the woman caught in adultery. Okay, I am that woman today, you are that woman. Okay, and that's what we're going to do. Now, Jesus is at the temple, and he, he, he didn't want to be there. He's at, I didn't say, he didn't want to go when his family went. He wanted to go when he was ready. Okay, but where is he? What does it look like? Well, this is a map of what it looks like um, in Jerusalem in the time of Jesus. Okay, and so what, what I want to share with you is the idea that, okay, you can see that's all of Jerusalem, and then you can see Mount Moriah, and you can see Mount Zion over there. You can see the temple right through the words Mount Moriah. And, and, and uh, have you ever seen somebody do this? Can you do that? You ever seen somebody do that? You know what he says after he does that? Live long and prosper. Do you know that Leonard Nimoy is a Jewish man? Huh? Did you know that you can take this and you can plant it right there on that picture and you can have the Hinnon Valley, the Tyropian Valley, and the Kidron Valley and it ends up being a reminder of Jerusalem? And so you've got this picture and in the Hinnon Valley, okay, you have over here, am I, yeah, over here you have um, where they used to throw their trash and trash for them was not the packaging for like a new toy that they got for Christmas. It would have been skins and bones and leftover things from sacrifice in the temple and things like that. And so over here you have the kind of the, like the garbage dump valley. And so I, I need you to understand this so that next time you see that picture, you recognize and the next time you read that Jesus said where the fire doesn't go out and where the worm doesn't die and where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and pain. He's talking about this dump over here where they have to get the fire so hot that when they throw the refuse out the, out the backside of Jerusalem, it's hot enough to burn up bones. It's hot enough to burn up skins. It's hot enough to burn up the part that they don't use in the sacrifice. And it's hot, it's hot enough to, to bust and shatter 
up the pottery that they would throw away, but that's the garbage dump, okay? That's that valley over there. And then the Teropian Valley kind of goes through Jerusalem. And then you've got the Kidron Valley, and you're still sitting here going, live long and prosper. Why is Pastor Joe doing this to us today? Let me tell you why. Because Jesus would have left this gate way up here by number 735 and crossed down into, and I'm, I'm, I'm killing it now, I know, sorry guys, but he would have gone into the garden right in here somewhere. The Mount of Olives is right there, just below. I didn't have enough map to put the the the. the, the um, um, the, the garden of, up there, yeah, whatever. And so I want you to have a picture during this time that Jesus would have left Mount Moriah where the temple is and crossed the valley, okay, and then he would have come back in. And so that's what's going on in the story. He comes back into the temple, and there he finds um, this opportunity. He's ministering in around Galilee. We've got him down there, and we recognize that this is where we are. Feast of Tabernacles. Just for the record, Feast of Tabernacles this year is October 2nd to October 9th. Okay? So that's the season that this whole story is taking place in. And so what happens is they bring a woman. It's a high holiday. They bring a woman caught in adultery. So these guys say, we caught her in the very act. They went and snatched her out of the bed. And in, 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 in my prayer for this woman... I honestly hope that they gave her a chance to grab a blanket or a sheet. We don't know. But they grabbed the woman, not the man. And the scripture says in the book of Deuteronomy, both of them are supposed to be stoned, not one of them. But they bring the woman, so now you know there's a plan, and we're going to say that again. But they bring her to Jesus, and they put her in one of the busiest places in the world, and she's standing right there in a crowded situation, humiliated, embarrassed, naked underneath of a blanket, terrified, doesn't know what's going to happen, and she sees everybody standing around with rocks in their hands. Now, when you stone somebody, you've got to bring your own rock. When you stone somebody, you throw something about the size of a baseball at them. But they brought this woman to Jesus, and the whole point was to, to trap him. He's going to have to do this. And in the course of events, they say, Lord, what do you say we should do? And they're trying to get him to say, ignore Moses, so that they can say, kill the infidel. All right? And so Jesus, in his wisdom, takes a deep breath and bends down. And I'm not going to because, you know, I'm getting so old, somebody's going to have to come get me back up, okay? But he, squ he's, he squats down and he starts writing. Now you'll hear preachers say, he was writing the name of every man in the audience that had ever, you know, been with this woman. There is nothing to support that whatsoever, okay? I think he was playing tic-tac-toe. I also think since he was playing by himself, he was winning, Okay? I do. I do. You know, he, and it's just as theologically credible as that he wrote the name of everybody that had been with this woman. So he bows down. He makes the thing. He's X's. He's O's. He's wondering if he can beat himself. And then he looks up and says, all right, whichever one of you hasn't sinned, go ahead and chunk a rock at it. We know what chunking is, right? Because this is Kentucky and we chunk rocks, all right? So go ahead and chunk a rock at her. Go ahead. And then he bows back down and he wins. That's Joe's standard version, okay? And he wins, the, and then he stands, and nobody's chunking rocks. But the older men left first. Why do you think the older men left first? Because there is something about years of life experience that help you understand that theology is just theology until you put it into practice. There is something about experience, okay, or failure that leads to experience that leads to wisdom to not do it again, right? 
So the older men, sorry, I, I just got to do this to you, have the wisdom. The younger men have the passion. Somebody comes fresh out of college, and what do they have? All the answers to all the problems in the world. If you don't believe it, just sit down and talk to them. <laughs> and they just have never done the job yet. And then they enter in the job, and they start to tell everybody what they're doing wrong because they've been to college. These people have only been doing it for 30 years. What do they know? And they try to straighten them out. and It turns into a little bit of turmoil. I'm not saying that there is nothing good about a college education. There is. And sometimes old dogs need to learn new tricks. But let's just say it is important to listen to people who have gone down the road before you and you don't have to fall in the same pits they did. Huh? Every once in a while, as my kids were growing up, it's like, man, if I could just help them understand it, that's not going to get them what they want. You just like to take them and like swing them and slam them into the wall and say, I'm trying to tell you that walking into a wall hurts. <laughs> so I guess I'll just show you up close real fast. We'll get it over with. You know? Now, we didn't do that to our kids. I'm just saying you hate to see your kids go through pain and you can see it coming and if you could just smack them in the forehead and say that's what it's going to feel like, maybe they would stop. But guess what? They have free wills. And they can do what they want. And they can make choices. But then you have to own the consequence of your choice. And my question today or the thing I want to share with you today is as you're standing there naked and wrapped up in a sheet, before everybody, suffering the consequence of your choice and wondering if God cares at all. And is this man going to let these people chunk rocks at you? He has forgiveness for you. If you are repentant, if you are willing to be honest with him, man, he's got grace and mercy you never dreamed of. Can you imagine showing up? I believe that stoning, Old Testament stoning, was as much for the community to punish them as it was for the individual because can you imagine bringing a rock and that is somebody's daughter that is somebody's sister that is somebody's cousin that is somebody's niece and more than likely since they were in Jerusalem it's probably somebody in the crowd that is related to her that now and you think okay they pick up a rock and they stone her and she's dead I, 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 that's not how it works you pick up the rock and you throw it and it hits her and then you have to run over and pick up your rock and come back over here. I mean, don't sanitize the Bible. Stoning is a horrible thing. And the whole community is supposed to be in on it. And you have to throw the rock and throw the rock and throw the rock. And that's what, that's what we deserve. That's what we all deserve. This woman is standing there. The law said it had to happen. She's anticipating it happening. And Jesus bows down, looks up, and says, Hey, any of you that has not sinned, go ahead and chuck that first rock. Go ahead. And then everybody starts to leave. And there's the passionate guys going, Yeah, I've been to Bible college. I'm a Pharisee. I get to do it. I'm not sinning. You remember there was a guy that came to Jesus and said, What, what do I have to do to get in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, Keep the law. And he said, Oh, I've done that since I was a youth. That's passion gone wrong. Okay, he's only fooling himself. But there's no reason to believe that's not the attitude of some young men with some rocks in the crowd. And there's a young lady there terrified that nobody cares a thing about. They're using her. They're absolutely using her. The fact that they were using this question for a trap means clearly that they planned for this to happen. 
There was a meeting at some point that these people got together and said, this is what we're going to do. They found out where Jesus would be in the crowd on the high holiday, and they had some expectations. They wanted to challenge him in front of everybody and then put him to death. We can surmise that they came with stones because they probably weren't just laying around in the temple area. Stones hurt and kill people. Stones represent illicit judgment. Stones don't think for themselves. Stones don't throw themselves. The enemy uses stones to kill people. The enemy does. And I love this. Jesus didn't get rattled. He didn't get anxious. He didn't get wound up. He didn't freak out. He didn't get judgy. He didn't be like, oh, man, what am I going to do, Dad? What am I going to do? He did not do that. He just bowed down, took a deep breath, and said, all right, all right. And he began to ask them questions. Which one of you hasn't sinned? Where do you want to start this show? These are the things I want to share with you. Jesus knew what they were trying to get away with. He wasn't fooled. He understood what the deal was. And he saw through it. Sometimes we think that we're getting away with something with God, don't we? We think God doesn't see this. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says, Nothing of all of creation is hidden from, before, from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Do you know that you're not going to get to heaven and see God and, and, and it's, you're going to be like, Lord, there's something I need to tell you, like you're talking to your mom or dad. Lord, while you were trying to straighten Joe and get him off of social media, I was over here and I sinned terribly and God's going to say, What? I didn't know that! I did not, what on earth? I'm not sure I can let you in. You're not going to fool him. He saw it. You know he saw it and he loved you? You know he saw it and he died for you before you did it? Before, not after, before. And he said that, well, we're going to get into it. We're just not going to surprise God because he knows sometimes what sin we're trying to get away with. The second thing is that we will have to give an account to him one day. I'd like to think that we don't, but we actually do. And I don't think it's going to be a, an egregious sort of a, you know, uh, uh, overwhelmingly shaming, guilt-driven, whatever. But we're going to have to give an account. When we stand before God, he's going to ask us some questions. We're going to have a discussion about our lives. And Jesus said it this way, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. By your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. Are our words saying that we're walking with Jesus? The words out of our mouth, the words out of our keyboards, the words that show up on our screen, the things that are, are they saying, I walk with Jesus. I love, this, I love this story. Here's this woman caught and she's wondering if she gets another chance. The third thing is that God has forgiveness for the truly repentant. God does. And I'm not saying you've got to prove it. But you know what it's like when you know you did something wrong and you're willing to put your pride down. And you're willing to be accountable for it. And you go to somebody and you say, listen, I sinned against you. And I, I, I've talked to God about it. And I need to ask your forgiveness too. You know, when you've sinned against only God and you come before him and you're like, God, I am so, so sorry. I really am. Please forgive me. And I love that God has forgiveness for that. It's not for the, ah, sorry I got caught. Lord, you know, oh, I didn't think anybody saw that. Lord, it's not that. It's the, yeah, you're right, God. I keep doing things my way and I keep falling in a hole. 
and I'm tired of the whole. And so we wonder sometimes, like this woman, like this man that got saved, how many times is God going to put up with me? How big is the grace of God? When is he going to say, that's it? Dude, you're taxing me. i got to have some grace left for these people over here. Go to hell. I don't care. You decided it's your thing. I'm done. And the answer to that is never. Never. Check this out. Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus says, no, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In one um, gospel it says, but seven times 70 times. So it's going to be like 49 times. Now listen, if somebody came up and sinned against you seven times today, you would have to forgive them, right? Seven times? When are they going to stop it? Right? Quit already! It's like, come on. But how about if Jesus multiplies that baby out to 49 times a day? And what if we look at the other gospel and it goes 490 times a day? You, you get the point that Jesus is trying to get across to you? You need to live giving forgiveness, not see where the forgiveness ends. And this is why I'm telling you that. Because when you wonder if God loves you, we'll, we'll forgive you one more time. I want you to know that he said that we as human beings are supposed to forgive each other 49 times, 490 times a day. And if we are expected as human beings to forgive others that, imagine how much Jesus is willing to forgive you. Remember, it was Jesus that said, listen, if you being evil men know how to give good gifts to your father, I mean, to your children, then how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those that ask? If we know that we're supposed to forgive people 490 times a day or 49 times a day, imagine how much forgiveness God has for you if you will really come to him and say, listen, I, God, I sinned against you again, and I am sorry. I stumbled. I fell over. But own it as sin. It might be lying. It might be cheating. It might be stealing. It might be cussing. It might be swearing. It might be drinking. It might be drugged. I mean, pick something. But there's no place to presume upon his grace. There's a place to have your feet pointed toward heaven and say, God, I'm trying. And then you fall down and, and you say, God, save me, help me, get me back up. That's what we need to do. I love this. God in heaven wants to forgive you. He wants to. I didn't used to believe that when I was a young man before I got saved when I was 17. I used to think that God wanted to kill me. My dad wanted to kill me. It was, you, some of you have heard this story. I don't need to get into it. It was just awful. To me, it was just awful. And I love that God doesn't have to forgive me. He is not obligated to forgive me. Like a father to a child, he's looking for the opportunity. He's looking for that child to take that one step and say, Dad, you're right, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And he's got lots of forgiveness for him. Now, sometimes as dads, we have to say the same thing back to our kids. And I would encourage you to learn how to do that right now if you want to raise children well. Learn to say you're sorry you screwed up. Jesus invited this woman to leave her life of sin. He didn't excuse it. Do you see that? Jesus is not going to excuse your sin when he died for your sin, when he got beat for your sin. He's just supposed to say, ah, go ahead. No, he's not excusing it. He did not cover up this woman's sin and say, hey, everybody left. Don't tell anybody. He didn't say, just keep this between you and me. He didn't do that. And he didn't. This is important. He didn't accept the sin. We live in a world of churches that accept the sin. 
that we think it's okay. I talked to God. I can do whatever I want. No. We've got to let go of this world. I talked to God. I need to get on Facebook and straighten these people out. I need to get sarcastic and nasty and ugly. I need to get all kinds of things that Joe Wood is when nobody, you know, when he doesn't have Jesus. I need to do that. No. God did not give me that calling on my life, and I do not need that in my life. God, forgive me. She was living a lifestyle of sin, and Jesus called her out. And then he offered her forgiveness if she wanted it. She didn't have to take it. He said, there's nobody here that condemns you, then neither do I. And the question simply was, do you want this life? Because I've got a better one in store for you. And it's amazing what God wants to do on your behalf because he wants to forgive you. God has an expectation that some people aren't even willing to try to meet, and that's called follow me. Do what I say. Peter tells us as obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he, he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And holy isn't perfect. Holy means that you belong to God. And so if you're at work, you're supposed to be doing work for God. If you're at school, you're supposed to be doing school for God. If you're in a relationship, you're supposed to be in a relationship for God. Whatever you're doing, people should look at you and say, wow, you're different. You're different. But you shouldn't do it to get people to say that. You should do it just because you're different. And then they should say that. And so we need to know that. So just God says it is written, be holy because I'm holy. At our pulse service a couple of weeks ago, I gave a word from God, and the word was repent. You and I are called to come away from our sin. We are. And we need to start doing that. It's not optional, okay? If you're, if you're still full of hate, that's not from God. If you're still full of bitterness, that's not from God. If you're planning on sinning this Friday night, that's not from God. If you're planning on being bitter, that's not from God. If you're going to cuss, swear, cheat, lie, but, but it's not about just you know, like clean your life up. and I'm just saying, chase God. Chase his teaching. Chase his love for people. Let him love people through you. Nothing changes in your life until something changes in your life. And Jesus tells this woman that sin has to go. As obedient children, Peter says, as obedient, obedient to what? Obedient to the teachings of the Christ. I had an Amish friend that used to tell me this. It's not sin unless you get caught. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it's all sin and it all matters. But there comes a time in our lives when we find ourselves in a situation and we wonder, does God still forgive me? And I want you to know that he does. If you're willing to come to him honestly with whatever it is, he's willing to take it. Seven times, 49 times, or 490 times a day. Just when you sin, run towards him, not away from him. If you don't memorize any scripture in your life, memorize this one from 1 John. If we confess our sins, God, he, is faithful and just and will forgive us um, from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all. All, all of it, not some of it, not a little bit of it, not tiny parts of it, all of it. But we need to begin to sacrifice that sin. When John said this, he invited us to own it. Whatever our sin is, we own it. Don't hide it, own it. 
This is my sin, Lord. I'm coming to you. You don't have to come like, Pastor Joe, bless me, Father, for I've said, no, 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 I, no, not that. Go to God. Go to God and tell him the truth. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. But here's the important part. Now leave it with God. Leave that sin with God. I want you to know that God has forgiveness for you. I want you to know that you have not sinned beyond God's willingness to cleanse you. But sometimes we're hard on ourselves. Sometimes you've got to learn not that God will forgive you, but that you need to forgive you. You need to forgive you and move past it because God forgives you. And he's got that kind of love. When you find yourself standing in front of the crowd, embarrassed, humiliated, and singing inside of your heart, here I go again. God, here I go again. The Lord says he'll be there for you. Give him that chance. I want to leave you with this picture. Okay, I love this picture. It came up on social media, and it's one that I captured. I don't know who did it, but look at this. There is nothing that you have done that God can't, and I, and I think it said can't and will forgive. Not like he can forgive you, but he's not going to. No, no, no. He wants to. But sometimes he's waiting on you. Those of you at home, listen, you can go to vineyardrichmond.com and you can talk to somebody. They can pray with you. That's the only reason we do that is because of you. It's not time for you to come into the building yet or maybe you're far away following us. But look, we just want you to know that somebody is there for you. Those of us that are here, when we leave, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing one more song when that song's over. There are prayer people. We used to have them here, but because of everything going on, they're at that table. And if there's something going on in your life, if you need to surrender your life to Jesus, if you need to just come to the Lord and say, God, I need to put this trash right down here, let him put it out in the valley of Ben-Hinnom or, or, or Hinnom. Let him do it. He wants to take it from you. Give it to him as many times as it takes. And there's people right there that want to pray with you. Okay? Let's pray. God, who is God in heaven, we just, we just thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask and pray that you come. We pray, God, that you settle in our hearts. God, I come before you right now. And on behalf of myself, I just pray, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my attitude, God, when it's not like what you want me to be. When it doesn't look like Jesus. Forgive me for my anger when I think that I have all the answers and I can solve the problem and I'm right. Forgive me, Lord, for getting caught up in this world, the things of this world, the politics of this world, the jobs of this world, the money of this world, whatever it is. Open up my eyes, God, to the fact that the truth is we may not be long before that trumpet sounds. So help us to live ready so that we don't have to get ready. And help us to be people that will share the truth because that's what you've asked us to do is to bear fruit, to reach out to other people, not to get caught up in this world and fix governments. As I come before you, God, I just pray that for this congregation as well, the one that's out there. God, I ask and pray that you hear us say we're sorry. I ask and pray, Holy Spirit, that you just wash us with your forgiveness and you let us start again so that we can get back up and say, here we go again. But we're going with God this time. We thank you for this in Jesus' blessed and holy name. Amen.